Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 98 of Thrive Deeper. It's your old pal DJ Payne here. And on this week's episode, Matthew Jacoby and myself sit down and we go through the middle part of the book of Revelation. Man, talk about biting off more than we can chew. There's a lot here that we need to get through. So it's an extra long episode this week. We apologize for that in advance. But also, the great news is we've got the details locked in for Thrive Deeper Episode 100. We've got a date. You're going to want to circle that on the calendar where we will be streaming live video of Thrive Deeper Episode 100. And we want you to be involved. Yeah, that's right. We want your questions to come on in. So please stay tuned. We've got all that information for you as we go through this most exciting book of victory the book of Revelation here on Thrive Deeper. Matthew, we are biting off, I'm going to say right at the beginning here, more than we can chew today. <laughs> I've just been looking over the chapters that we're going to look at. We've yeah. got some heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, you, you came in this morning and It's you, all the sensational stuff yeah. today. It's We're going to be red dragons, oh. the number of the beast, yes. the beast from the earth, the sea, the antichrist. Yep. We, we, it's all in today's episode, <laughs> folks. Roll is, up, roll up. There's exactly, it's exactly it. This is the centre of the story of the book of Revelation. We're yeah. right in the middle and it's like- Okay, we were getting the scene set for some pretty drastic things to happen. My goodness, from chapter 10 onwards, it literally, literally a switch gets thrown. Yeah. And it's, we're in high mode of just absolute heightened everything is happening. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so we've, we've had the, we've had the seven seals. Yes. Then at the seventh seal gets broken and you get the seven trumpets. Mm-hmm. And now before the seventh trumpet, uh, we're about to get the seven bowls, yes. but we have this interlude and the interludes are important. A lot of very significant things happen in the interludes. Yep. So the seals describe what happens on the earth mm-hmm. and the the interludes, you generally get a heavenly picture of some yes. kind. Yes. So um, we get this, so we're finished with the uh, the seven, tr- the six trumpets, sorry, yes. and, and the uh, we're about to get the uh, the seventh trumpet that's going to usher in the seven bowls. Exactly. So we finished last last episode. We wrapped up on chapter nine, and we sort of left. It's, it's sort of chapter nine finishes in a really dark place. <laughs> that yeah. you know, God is doing all of this work, pouring out His wrath, giving giving examples of what to do. But yet, time and time again, yeah. in Matthew, your your sort of overarching um, meta theme here for the book of Revelation, the polarization of the world. Yeah. The good is getting better in heaven and yeah. the people who yeah, are sealed right. by yeah. God and the worse and the bad is getting worse. Yeah, that's right. You know, the bad people, no matter what going on, they are committing themselves yeah. to to pursuing sin. And that leads us into chapter ten. That's right. That's right. The that's bad it. are getting badder and the good are getting gooder. <laughs> That's so, one way of saying it. Yeah, that's one way of saying it. Well, uh, the, the interesting thing about this interlude is that, again, like the last interlude in Chapter 7, where folk, it focuses on the role of God's people. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really, you know, important because again, remember, um, the authority was given over the earth to mankind in, in Genesis chapter one and two. Yes. And so you get this sense of the crucial place of, of mankind in, in this. I mean, this is why the, the scroll could only be given to one like a son of man. Yeah. You know, who's this, this God, fully God, fully man. Yes. Uh, who is on the one hand seen as human, but on the other hand seen as divine. And yet it's his humanity that enables him to be worthy to open the scroll. Yes. Uh, and so he, he can implement this. Uh, but there is this crucial role for God's people. We've seen this in the prayers, in the prayers of the saints that went up and then the judgment comes down. Yeah. So we've seen the crucial role of prayer uh, in this. Now, the symbol that we have in chapter 10, it has this picture where this mighty angel uh, comes uh, and, he, and he's holding this scroll, you know, and he's standing. Mm-hmm. You can picture this this massive figure. Yeah. And, and, and it appeals to... Uh, our imaginations in terms of how massing, massive this figure is because one foot in the sea yeah. and one foot on the land. You yeah. know, this is like Pacific Rim Godzilla yes, kind exactly, of stuff going on. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, uh, and, and he has this scroll and he actually hands the scroll in chapter 10, he hands the scroll to John mm. and mm. he says, eat the scroll. Now, what does that remind you of? Straight away, straight away, we're taken right back to this. Is the beauty of the Old Testament is yeah. is if you if you're familiar with the Book of Revelation, it's like a greatest hits of the prophets of the of the Book of Revelation. Yeah, yeah you know, that's right. It, it, you know, really is of the times that uh, you know um, Ezekiel was given was Ezekiel yeah, given Ezekiel, the, yeah Ezekiel given the scroll to eat. So it's one of those instances where all the whole prophetic tradition, yes, leading up. To this is now culminated and re- and in different ways referred to and alluded to throughout this book of Revelation. Yeah. This is really the amazing thing about this book: yeah. the way that it puts the lid on prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. And so, the idea here is that he's he's given this scroll, and and the idea here is that he is told to prophesy. Mm. And again, we think of Ezekiel prophesying to the Valley of Dry Bones. Mm -hmm. So uh, God is going to raise up uh, Israel, who are in exile at the time of Ezekiel, and uh, he takes as he takes him to this Valley of Dry Bones, and you know this is symbolizing Israel. And he says to Ezekiel, "Prophesy to the dry bones." And as Ezekiel prophesies, they come come alive. So it's it's God working through a human agent. Why? Because we're put in charge. So it's. So John is to perform this prophetic act mm. of this, you know, being this person that prophesies so that um, what is now going to take place is will take place through yeah. this act of prophesying it. Yeah. yeah. So it's got to be it's going to be spoken by a human agent, yeah. and through that means God is going to bring about these judgments to follow. There's, there's something that is so rich. It's so rich in this. And chapter ten is so mysterious, and it's almost like a meta level of understanding what is going on. Yeah. Because you know, you this is one of the mysteries of the universe that we live in. And I love personally living in a universe like this, that yeah. there are these heavenly beings, there's this spiritual beings bigger than what we understand, greater than what yeah. we understand. And we're getting senses of that with these angels and eagles and all this other stuff, these heavenly operators yeah. coming in and taking part of God's plan. Yeah. And this angel speaks out. And then we have the seven thunders answering him. What are the seven thunders? 
Well, I mean, it, inter- that's this interesting reference that uh, because it says uh, you're referring to verse three when it yeah. says, and he gave a loud shout. This is the angel yes. with his foot in the land and one in the sea, you know, like a roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. It's actually. Uh, a reference to Psalm 29. Yes. In Psalm 29, we have this this phrase, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. And it's thundering. It's, yeah. it's in back in verse three of Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Yeah. Now again, mighty waters. Yes. We've got the same picture of chaos. And yep. so it's... Uh, this is, and it says that seven times. Yeah, it's the voice of the Lord, Lord yes. is seven times taking command over the chaos. So he's talking about, he's referring back to that. That's yeah, I know, I know, I know. So you, you've got this reference to that, and the seven thunders, God, or yeah. Or, yeah. or you know, some, you know, whatever, yeah. however God is expecting answers, <clears throat> and it's an, it's amazing what it says. So and and John, being the good steward that he is, is like, right, okay, I've got to write this. and then no, 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 do not write this down. Yeah. Like again, this is again. I, I had a I had two great conversations in the last couple of weeks yeah. of my science fiction analogy, you know, of not analogy, but the truth that I believe we're living in. That John is a real life time traveler. We say, oh, you know, we look at time travel. We go, oh, yeah, whatever. But I go, well, actually, as Christians, we believe in time travel because John was taken to the future yeah, and sent that's back. That's right. Yeah. And here we see that classic trope in science fiction that you see in time travel. Don't cross the streams. Don't let this happen like this. Like God is saying, yeah. this here is only meant for this time here that you're yeah, seeing. Yeah, that's right. Do not write it down. So Do there's secrets. It. So it's not to reveal any yes. specifics about that. Yeah. You know, and, and so you're right in saying the voice of the seven thunders. It's the voice of God in a sense answering. And But the interesting thing here is that this, this, um, this message is entrusted to, to John. Yeah. And this is the key thing about this. And right at the end of uh, chapter 10, it says, and then I was told you must prophesy again about uh, many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Okay. Yep. So so he's going to prophesy this and it's going to come about like the dry bones are going to come to life because of Ezekiel's act of prophesying. Yep. It's This is going to happen through, you know, John's act. Of, so John, in a sense, becomes in this becomes the... Um, the Ezekiel-like prophet yeah. that announces these things, and in a sense, here he he stands for, in a very important sense, he stands for God's people. I don't think this is not just about John. Yes, this is about oh, this great is, point. because we've already heard about the prayers of God's people mm-hmm. uh, bringing about these things. So the prayers go up and the judgments come down. We saw yep. that uh, earlier, but now the prophecy goes out yep. and it actually causes things to happen. Yep. So there's prayer and and this this prophecy and I think this is standing for this kind of prophetic role that God's people have, you know, as we go out with the gospel as we go out with the truth. Mm. There's not just a sense of oh we're letting people know a bit of nice information. <laughs> it's actually through through our our testimony mm. because remember uh um, which uh, earlier on talks about the the the, the, the Satan overcoming. being yeah uh, that the martyrs overcame uh, by the word of their the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony yeah okay yeah. so 
what what's I think imagined here is this prophetic act of the word of our testimony, you know, declaring you know the truth of God and the word of our uh, in the word of our testimony yes. is actually going to bring about these things. God's going to do it through our prophetic word. Yeah, I, I would be, I, again. I'm, this is me being being you know I sort of get panicked about certain words. Bring about. I, I sort of go, well, oh, I don't know, God's going to bring it about. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, that's like, right, yeah. But he's doing it through the that's agency. The point, yeah. He's doing it through, like, he's yeah, doing he it does with it us. Through, yeah, that's right. He's doing it with us. We're, because he's committed himself to yes, that, remember. Yes, And you see, you, I reckon you see a part of that is when you in the middle of chapter 10, we'll get out of chapter 10 because we don't want to yeah. spend all day here, but, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, this, this, the, the angelic messenger who's humongous standing in the sea and the land, I love this picture, yeah. who roars out and, the, and God is answering back and they're having this thing around the earth. John's not writing down exactly what they're saying because he's not allowed to. Yeah. That's that's a time capsule for later on. And then the angel swears by all of creation, yeah. everything that God has given, and he says, this is it. When this happens, God will wait on. You've always won. Mankind has always said, yeah. why do, if, if God is real, why doesn't he yeah, fill in the blank? Exactly, yeah. And there's almost the angel saying, right, you will wait no longer. God's That's total, right. and he uses, you know, use the word, the mysterious plan of God yeah. is going to be fulfilled now. Yeah, that's right. Watch out. And John, yeah. take the scroll. Like, and John, you're going to be, it's yeah. going to happen through you as well. Yeah. Ooh. It's great. And, and I love the, I love the connection between the scroll with the seven seals that yes. represents this, this, you know, the pl- unfolding plan of God. Yeah. And then in a sense, this is, in this picture kind of given to John to exercise this human agency that's going to happen through this human agency uh, as well. So it's a great picture. Okay, let's move straight into chapter 11 here. And again, talking about Ezekiel, talking about all the prophets that we're coming in, we go and we have another flashback to Ezekiel right at the beginning of chapter 11. And then I was given a measuring stick. Absolutely. To go back and measure. (laughs) And I was like, hang on. (laughs) We've seen this. Yeah, we've already seen this. So a lot of Ezekiel. Now, again, in this... uh, uh, this this is the section that speaks about the measuring of the temple and the two witnesses. Okay, so again, we're we're concerned here with um, human agency. It's yes. it's the, the role of, of of human agency and um, the this. Uh, I'm just thinking about how much complexity I'm going to go into here. Yeah. But he so we, we've seen um, Ezekiel at the end of the book of Ezekiel. Yes, is told to measure out the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chapter forty. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yep. 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 So, uh, and and you get the same kind of thing happening here. Yes. So uh, he says, "Go and measure the temple of God, the altar, and its worshippers, but exclude the outer court. Do not uh, measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles." Now, you know what is what is going out? What is going on here? Um, This could well. I mean, this is. Let me read to you. This is. N.T. Wright, uh, yes. who I think has a good way of summarising things in a it, sort of simpler yes. kind of framework. So that's why I often I read from him. is just a good reference for that. He says, John's measuring of the temple, which echoes similar prophetic actions uh, in Ezekiel 40 and Zechariah 2, by the way, as well, that's another yep. reference. Yep. Uh, and now he says here, has nothing to do with the Jerusalem temple or with the heavenly temple throne room of chapters four and five. By the time John was writing, indeed, this was true from very early on in the Christian movement. The followers of Jesus had come to see themselves as the true temple. Yeah. But the place where God now, uh, the, which was the place where God now lived through his powerful spirit. Wow. Okay? So this is, you know, the church is the temple. Uh, 
uh, John is uh, commanded to mark out this community so that, as in chapter 7, it may be protected against ultimate harm. Wow. However, there is another sense in which the community seen here in terms of the outer court is to be left vulnerable. Um, the pagan nations will trample it for three and a half years, um, a symbolic number half of seven, which stands yes. for, seven stands for completeness. Yes. So, uh, a three and a half year period here broken down into 42 months or 1,260 1, days, days yeah. yep. indicates that it's cut short. So, only for this short time, God's going to only allow this, not, not a complete time of trampling, yeah. but a, a shorter time. So um, he goes on to say, just as Ezekiel's measuring of this visionary temple was a way of marking out the place where God was going to come and dwell, so John's marking out of this human temple, this community, is a way of signalling God's solemn intention to honour and bless his people with his presence. Yeah. So now there, there are... Um, now there are sli- there are slightly different views oh. uh, on this. As, as My goodness, we're in the and, book of Revelation. Yeah, and um, I mean... Uh, so, so there is there is a view that um, uh, I guess sees this as a literal yeah a literal temple yep uh, on on the whole I think um, probably um, um, the majority would see this as kind of a symbolic just given there's so much symbolism here but then the beauty of and my my response to all of that and again I think it's almost <laughs> Futile sometimes for us to try to figure yep. out if it's symbolic or 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 you know literal. Well, it could actually be both as and, well, and that's my <laughs> point. I think it's actually both. I think it's actually both. I mean, well, we're it, getting- dep- it depends if you think, because according to some views, yes, um, th- th- there is one view that believes that the temple will one day Re- Jerusalem will be, temple will be rebuilt. Yes. Now, I don't th- personally. I don't think that that is. Um, a necessary interpretation of certain prophecies on that, but I, it's certainly a. Po- I, I'm not close yes. to that possibility. If, look, if it happens literally, then it makes a lot of sense. But if it doesn't happen literally, well, then it's yeah. still it's still. And, and, and I think it's important to recognise that even if it does happen, the temple is always was a symbol beyond itself. Yes. Yes. The temple, even yeah. the physical temple, yes. was still a symbol of the of the church. Uh, and, and we have just spent, and we've spent the first half of the book. Yeah, looking into the to the representation of the temple in heaven, the ch- seven churches, all of that. So yeah, the lampstands and all yes. of that, it, it all symbolised God's church. So, so the, a very important theme in Revelation is this sense of God's ch- ch- yep. church as God's temple. Now, if we're taking it as a literal, now for those of us who are taking it as a literal time and a literal places and literal <clears> things <throat> like that, yep. we're now at the halfway mark through this tribulation, and it does get a little bit hard to measure. You know, some, yeah. is this happening in the first half, the centre half? The yeah. se- you know, where is it happening there? But I, I, I believe that most of the commentators who would look at, at this type of yeah. thing, this is the halfway mark of the of the tribulation, the seven year tribulation. This final three and a half years of the tribulation is going to be a horrific time, marked at the centre by these two witnesses who come yeah. and and who, who prophesy. Now, yeah. these two witnesses are again a Bible nerds delight because <laughs> we're not told who they are named. Well, they're not named. Yeah. But the illusions and they've and there's there's been a lot of discussions about who these people yeah. are. Are they two saints that have been? Are they two Old Testament prophets? Yeah. Who are they? 
Okay. Give us Let, a definitive answer right now, Matt. Well, well, well let's, let's talk about but let's just summarise <laughs> just so that we can put them in context, yes. okay? Yeah. So you've got this, uh, this period of intense tribulation, okay? Yes. It's, it's a, 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 a cut short time. Yes. Okay. Um, which is expressed in terms of three and a half years. Yep. Now, is that a... Is that going to literally be three and a half years yeah. or is it just a symbolic way of referring to a period of time? It may be a literal yeah. uh, th- three and a half years, who knows? Anyway, the point is, so there's this period of tri- tribulation and, and even the, and here, you know, the outer court, him not measuring the outer court seems to indicate that to some extent or in some way, either some part of the church or in some sense the church is going to experience something of this tribulation. Yes. Now, now some people uh, see that differently. You know, the outer courts, depending on what you th- there's some different interpretations of the outer courts there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyway, so we have this period of tribulation. Yep. Within this period of tribulation, we have these two characters. This is where we get the, the two witnesses, okay, yep. who are, they go out, they do, um, you know, it says... Uh, let, me, let, let me read it and comment yeah, yeah. it because it's, it's quite right. a dense section. And this I will right. appoint my two witnesses, okay? And they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Okay, so straight away you're thinking of Elijah, okay? Uh, 1,260 days is your three-and-a-half-year period. So they're going to be active during this tribulation period. Mm-hmm. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. Uh, now, they are the two... Like, uh, what what yeah. two olive trees? Well, he's referring to Zechariah uh, chapter four mm-hmm. uh, here, um, where he sees um, a, a gold lampstand, two olive trees, yes. and that stands for God's people in uh, in Zechariah, yeah. and it's in that context that um, that God says over this situation, this mm. is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. So in in Zechariah, they stand for God's people, but they also stand for Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest, the yes. king and the priest. Yes. So in a sense, Jesus is the combination of those roles, yeah. but it's also alluding, like the, the two witnesses here seem to echo that. Mm-hmm. So again, you've got like this... Two people like now. What we're going to see, we're going to see they're like Moses and Elijah. Yeah, think Transfiguration that yes. you know yep. that um, met with Jesus. Yes, they're the sort of two principal prophets of the Old Testament. So they're witnesses. They're under the prophets were understand, understood as witnesses. Mm-hmm. So we've got that picture. They're also alluding to Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, in the back that are fall in the background to Zechariah chapter four. Yes. It's dense stuff, I told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, this, I love it. This but it's is bringing great. together all of these figures. Mm. So the point is, is that it's culminate, you know, they're, they're this kind of thing, okay, mm. these two witnesses. So it says, if anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. Yes. Um, think of what's the, uh, the story in, it's in Second Kings Yes. One, I think. The, Where Elijah calls down fire. Yeah, from, Elijah from, calls from, down fire. From the yeah. altar, exactly. But this time it comes from their mouths. Oh. Fire comes from their it's mouth like, and devours their it's enemies. It's like they've been cranked into superheroes here, total, yeah. total uh, superman. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain. Who does that remind you of? Elijah. Elijah, that's right. Uh, the time uh, During the time they're prophesying. And they 
I have power to turn the waters into blood. Who does that remind you Moses. of? Moses. Moses, thank you very much. And to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Moses. That's Moses as yeah. well, right. So they're going to have this Elijah-Moses kind of ministry. <clears throat> now, when they've finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and is this, overpower is it, and now kill is this, them. Is this the beast that we've already seen <clears throat> before coming out of the abyss that we've seen before, like out um, of the bottomless pit? Is that what it's – Yeah. Yep. Okay, so, so there's a few – because um, the beast is referred to a few different. Yeah, that's right. So certainly, this is a satanic kind of yes. figure yep. here of some kind. Now, it may be the Antichrist or the beast referred to in Daniel chapter seven. Yeah, uh, it, it's been suggested this could be Satan himself. Yes, um, or maybe even more like a figure for a spirit of. Antagonism to God in some senses, you know, it, spir- it, it symbolizes the anti-Christian force in the world. Yes, you know, but look, um, I think most people are thinking that this is like this Antichrist figure, and we're about to, about to encounter this. Yes, okay. So, <clears throat> I think most people are saying that the beast is who we're about to encounter. In, okay, like look out for that because yes. we're going yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about this next. Okay, so, so. Uh, so they're killed so, by the beast. Yeah, so they're the killed beast. by the beast, okay? And we're going to read about the beast and the number of the beast and all this stuff, okay? So it says, Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is figurative, figuratively called Sodom and Egypt. Jerusalem. Yeah, so this is, it's actually like, because um, Rome was referred to as the great city in this time, so this is like Jerusalem and Rome merging. Uh, sort of merging here. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so for three and a half days, some you know, and and it's they gaze upon their bodies, and the inhabitants of the earth gloat over them. And then, after three and a half days, now think about what happened after three days mm-hmm. um, to Jesus. The breath of life from God entered them. Think of Ezekiel again. Yep. Okay. It's put, it's ex- exactly the same turn of phrase as Ezekiel. And they stood to their feet. Exactly what is said when Ezekiel prophesies to the dry bones. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. And terror uh, struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. It's just... Unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it, it, this is... Yeah. It's amazing I, stuff. I, I, so, I, get, I, lo- I love this so much. So, you know, they, they, they're experiencing this, this resurrection and this ascension. I mean, you know, so, so is this... Um, the question has been asked about this. Are there literally going to be two people... Two witnesses, okay. Yeah. I, well, you know, I, you know yeah. which way I lean. <laughs> yeah. I, I want this all to be so literal. Or is this a way, because of its connection with so much prophet, so many prophetic figures, yeah. flowing out of the last chapter where the, the scroll of prophecy is given to mm-hmm. John, who mm-hmm. in that sense symbolises God's people. Yeah. You know, so this scroll in a sense is given. Is this a way of connecting with that scroll that this is kind of ref, referring to the the kind of martyrs, the witnesses and the martyrs, or again, is it both? Yeah. Look, I definitely look. Here's the here's the point. Even if it's like I, I take this. As I, very I, I, by the way, yeah. I, I like the literal. Yeah. <laughs> I, like the, I like the literal one here as yeah. well. I, I just want to allow for the fact that um, that there's a there is a lot of symbolism here, and yes. just it, okay. Let's assume a literal. Yes. Let's assume a literal. Yep. Uh, w- w- you know, which we both like. Um, in any case, they represent God's people. Per- spot on. 
Yes. And 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 the bigger and the bigger picture here, and this is something we need to keep in mind about the book of Revelation, especially when it starts getting dark like this, is even if if you if you like me, you interpret as a literal you know events yeah. that have echoes and bounces around through the truth of it bounces around through history with different representations. That's yeah, like how yeah. prophecy works, yeah. you know. It sort of bounces around history and it has this weird sort of meta narrative through everything. But then all of it, you go, hang on, what is the purpose? Why did God give us this book? Now, why did John travel through time, yeah. you know, and space and heaven and earth and everything through different dimensions to give it this? It's not to make us fearful. It's to make us oh, hopeful. Yeah, it's, totally. to, it's yeah. to give us hope and to give us so I think sometimes we can get lost with numbers, dates, trying Good to work point. it all out. Yeah. And this is the fun of it. I, I enjoy as you can yeah. hear, we enjoy doing this. But then we, we go, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? Okay, things that we the, these themes that are coming up time and time again in these middle chapters is we're gonna get trampled. Yep. We're gonna get. Yep. There's gonna be abuse. Yeah. There's gonna be awful yep. martyrdom. And we're gonna see that in the next in the next chapter. Yeah. Exactly. There's gonna be really hard times, but God is in control again yeah, and again and right. again. And there is <clears throat> there is a a plan in heaven that yep. we are a part of. That's right. And not just a part of like a hapless like, whoops. We're a part of, as in God is saying, no, no, you, I have designed a That's place right. for you in this. And, and so, because clearly, again, in this chapter, okay, yes, there is going to be this trampling, but God's putting limits, yeah. measure, you know, yes. and, and it's going to be for three and a half years. Yes. yes. You know, so, so it's like, I'm limiting this time. It's going to be not for a complete amount of time. It's this symbol of incompleteness cut short, this symbol of something cut short. Okay. So it's going to happen, but it's going to be cut short. And, and also the thing about the two witnesses is that ultimately, they they are victorious. Yeah. I mean, they're victorious in their lives, yep. but even in their death, they're victorious because once they ascend into heaven, it says that this great earthquake comes and this great city uh, that is described has, in, collapses under this earthquake and a yes. tenth of the people uh, perish. So, and, yeah. and that's... And look, and that's just the precursor then yeah. to the seventh trumpet. Then we get the seventh trumpet, and, the, and, and straight away we get the 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 seventh trumpet that brings. This, let's finish off here, you know, chapter eleven. Yeah. The seventh trumpet brings the third terror. We get another scene in heaven where the seventh angel blew his trumpet, loud voices shouting in heaven. And this is statement. This statement just gives me chills when I when I read it yeah. again. The whole world has now. Yeah. become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Then there's this worship scene in heaven. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Yeah. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared. There was a great hailstorm and the world was shaken like a... What? It's awesome stuff, isn't it? It's just awesome. Yeah. There's worship. The Ark of the Covenant is there. How did the Ark of the Covenant get into heaven? <laughs> like, you know, it's like Indiana Jones type of thing. You know, here it is. It opens up. There is thunder. And God is saying, this is part of my plan. Yeah. Here we go. Now I'm I'm yeah. having my way. Absolutely, yeah. And it's it's victory, victory all the way through. So, and, and I think your point before is a good one. You know, we can focus on, oh, the trampling. And, yeah. No, no. This is victory, victory, victory that, that is, you know, punctuated by, yes, there's going to be travail and there's going to be persecution, um, but God is, God is holding the controls, as it were, and, and, and cutting it short and limiting it and limiting its effect and ultimately having this victory over it. It's just stunning. 
family, it's DJ here and uh, interrupting our journey through the book of Revelation. Oh my goodness, we're about to enter chapters 12 and 13. If you thought 10 and 11 were hard, right? Where do we get into this? But I want to let you know, circle a date in the calendar. We've been working hard behind the scenes. When are we going to do... There's a question that everybody's been asking themselves. When are we going to do the live episode 100? Well, I'm glad to be able to give you a date. Thrive Deeper episode 100 will be broadcast live across the world on Australian time Thursday night, the 23rd of July. Thursday night, the 23rd of July. We're going to be talking about the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and 20. So we're building up to that final bit there. So what we're asking you to do do is please send us your questions now. If you've got questions about the book of Revelation in general, questions in particular from Revelation chapter 19 and 20, building up to the end of the book of Revelation, we would love to get them now. How do you do that? Easy. You can send it to us via our website at thrivetoday.com. TV. You'll see how to contact us there. Just drop us a form there at thrivetoday.tv. Drop in your questions and we will be answering them Thursday, the 23rd of July. A live recording of the uh, the episode there will be happening. And then episode 100 will come out normally as a regular episode. That recording, the audio version of that will come out on your app the next day, Friday the 24th, normal schedule. So live the night before, you can tune in wherever you are around the place. It'll all be happening on thrivetoday.tv. So keep your eye on the website there. Keep your eye on the Facebook pages. And we and for you to participate, we'd really love your questions in advance. So get them into us now. Again, I'll let you know, Revelation chapter 19 and 20 is what we're going to be looking at in particular. And uh, we'll be uh, releasing that episode the next morning as per usual, ready to go there. Episode 100. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. We're into that there. And and uh, we're also going to do something special around Thrive uh, Perspectives as well. Make sure you're, uh, you you subscribe to that, episode, to, to that podcast. We have just released two episodes that are really impacting. We're getting so many comments about it. Thrive Perspectives. We've just released an episode on sex, gender, and sexuality. So many people are commenting on that. And the new one that we've just released is about race and racism. So if you've got any questions or thoughts around that, please go have a listen to them. And we're going to be doing something with Thrive Perspectives as well. So stay tuned with that. But that's all about Thrive Deeper Episode 100. Circle the calendar. Get involved. We'd love you to get amongst it. All right, let's get back into the Book of Revelation now. Thrive Deeper, Episode 98. back dj here with a brother matthew and we are looking through uh, revelation we need to get through in this last half of the show chapters 12 and 13 and if you thought the last part was intense <laughs> matt get ready for the next uh, part again i i have to mention this because i'm such a dork when i read this when i read this or hear it being re- read aloud all i can hear in my in my mind is heavy metal guitar solos going through <laughs> it is the most metal parts of scripture here this is this is so mm. epic 
you know, and I can just see it like this great unfolding opera in front of us. This, this, because again, mm. just, just how he says it at the beginning. Let's see John, the opening part of chapter twelve, verse one, and then I witnessed in he- in heaven an event of great significance. Yeah. Well, this, what is it? What What have we been seeing? Yeah, that's right. Right. If, there, is he, if he's having to go, yeah, all of that's really important, but this is an episode, this is war. Yeah. Well, here we actually get to the core. It's very common to label uh, chapters 12 and 13, the heart of the book. Yes. Uh, this is really establishing the core theme, which is the war between God and his people on the one hand and the dragon and his people on the other, okay? And between the lamb and his counterpart, the beast. Yes. Okay? So that's what you get here. First of all, you've got the, the war between Satan and God's people and then you've got the war between the lamb and the and the beast. So, mm. um, yeah, this this is a, actually really is a very core part of the book and it does sit in the middle uh, here. So you've got this consummate battle um, and the interesting thing, we're going to get this battle between the red dragon, right? This uh, figure of Satan, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and the woman, and the and the woman gives birth to this messianic figure. Okay, and and I think what we'll do is we'll read through some of the specifics of this in a moment. Yep. Now, the interesting thing about this is that um, it, it it actually fulfills not only not only Old Testament. Uh, imagery, yes, but in some ways it draws in elements of of pagan mythology as well. Yeah, yeah, because there there we, we have in pagan mythology these stories um, where you have you know a uh, a mother goddess being pursued by a dragon, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. The sun and moon mm. are you know yeah, the, that's the, woman, right. the woman is clothed in the sun and the moon is at her feet. Like so, you're yeah. getting this, you're getting this, you know, heavenly body type yeah. of thing, which is rich in symbology, you know. Yeah, of, that's right. Of, yeah. of so much mythology and also some darker mythology as well. Yeah. So in you know Mesopotamia, ancient Mesopotamia, you get Marduk, the god of light, who kills the seven-headed dragon Tiamat, who you know had thrown down a third of the stars. In in the Greco-Roman myth, we have the goddess Leto, pregnant with Apollo. Yes. And she's pursued by the dragon Python. Yep. And she's rescued by uh, Poseidon, who places her in safety on an island. Okay, so and after Apollo's born, he slays Python and so forth. So th- these are well known at the time, and uh, what what the writer is doing really is something quite ingenious here. He's tr- because there's an element, and this is the interesting thing about mythology, is that it it expresses things that lie within the consciousness. Talk about general revelation, that general sense of consciousness of the forces of good and evil and these sorts of things. And they are, in mythology, given this symbolic kind of form. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, we see even in Genesis how, um, how that, that same kind of imagery gets used. And, um, and we see that here in Revelation as well, that it is drawing in these kind of symbols, symbols that not only are common in the Old Testament, but, but that represent in a lot of people's minds in those days, you know, the forces of good and evil mm. in this sense. Yeah. So, so you, 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 it's really interesting. And then, you know, John adds all of these other elements from the Old Testament to fill out these truths as though he's saying, well, the myths got it partly right. Yeah. But 
but what we have here is is really the 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 big picture, the whole story. Yeah, this is this is. I mean, again, I think I've already <clears throat> trotted it out on one mm. of the episodes here. It's that amazing quote from C.S. Lewis. Now, C.S. Lewis, one of my favourite Christian yeah. authors. Uh, you know, he had that. Uh, he was steeped in his his. You know, what he did as far as a teacher yeah. and a, and an educator it was all about pagan mythology. That's what yeah. he lived and breathed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and again, it's funny how him as one of our most cherished Christian authors. Mm. We sort of we go, isn't that fantastic? You know, uh, you know that he was so rich in that. But nowadays, if you start looking into pagan mythology, well, you're pretty much cast out, pretty much because <laughs> it's pretty. You know, there's some dark stuff. But I love his quote. There's a great, great quote uh, where he says, "Now the story of Christ is simply a true myth." Because people, he yeah. was talking about people going, "Ah, Christ is just a myth." It's a, it's we've got all like like this passage. You've got all these echoes yeah. of it from previous stories. And he says, you know, he says, it's, but it's simply a true myth, a myth working on us the same way as the others, but with a tremendous difference that it actually really happened. And one must be content to accept it in the same way, remembering that this is God's myth, where the others are just man's myth, that the pagan stories are God expressing himself through the minds of poets, using such images as he found there, mm. while Christianity is God expressing himself through what we call real things. Yeah. That is such a deep, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a great deep thinking of- C.S. Lewis, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I love, I love yeah. that. So, so we get this imagery, and I, and I think it's worth actually going into a little more uh, detail here. And we'll, I mean, we'll try and move through this quickly. But it says uh, a great sign appeared in in the heaven. This is in the NIV. Yeah. Uh, a woman clothed with the sun. Okay, now the woman here. I mean, uh, this is the covenant people of God. The woman's like this Eve-like figure. Would you? I always read it, and again, this is where we might differ a little bit with some of the, some of the revelation. I lean a little bit that this woman and some of these promises and some of the story here, and it is very mixed. It's blended, I know, but there's a Jewishness to it as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, uh, so this is Israel. Yeah, and that's I mean, covenant people of God. Yes, because as we read on, we see that she gives birth to the so Messiah. The Messiah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that, that makes sense. Okay. So a woman clothed, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Um, this is this kind of authority. Um, mm-hmm. And, and th- there is a sense in which God gave his people this level of authority. You know, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10, 10 horns and seven crown on its heads, okay? Mm. So this indicates that really this is a totality of oppressive power in that yeah. sense. Yeah. It it's indicates its worldwide rule, okay? So this is this satanic yeah. figure, you know? Yeah. Uh, and Jesus referred to Satan as the prince of this world, mm-hmm. you know? So that's what we have here. Because we've got, again, when you're thinking numbers, when you think seven, you know, you're thinking... Uh, you know, we, we've been saying God's totality, number, but, yeah. but, but totality, and then you've got 10, and that's sort of like complete, you know, yeah. type of thing. So there's having seven, 10, and yeah, seven, right. like keeping being repeated. Important numbers. Even yeah. by, you know, even even across this this imagery of Satan. Yeah. Is is like man? This is the big bad. This yeah. is the big. This is the baddie of the story. Yeah, that's right. So it says here, verse four. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky, and flung them to the earth. Now, in Revelation, stars are identified 
identified with angels. So this mm. could be referring to the fall of the angels mm. d- during Satan's initial rebellion. Yes. Or whatever went on there. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, we could be talking about like the fallen angels, you know, that referred to in Jude 6 yes. uh, as well. Um, so this could be what, what's that, that, what that's referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child, okay? So, you know, uh, we know that um, like Herod, for example, tried to destroy Christ, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at his birth. Uh, you've got... Uh, the temptation in the wilderness, trying to again destroy Christ at that point, and of course the crucifixion as well. Are uh, these attempts, de- satanic attempts, to, as it were, devour this child? Okay. Um, verse five: She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. Okay, it's Psalm two. It's a messianic phrase. Okay, so this is about the Messiah. So this is she gave birth to a son. This is Israel giving birth to the Messiah, and her child. It says, was snatched up to God and his throne. Uh, well, um, this most probably refers to the ascension of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I, I think that there's not much doubt about that. Yep. Um, the woman then says, fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God so that she might be taken care of for 1,260 days, three and a half years. Yes, yep. Okay. So what is this escape to the wilderness? Now, um, uh, look, this could uh, – I mean, if you're taking um, the uh, – if we take this as perhaps alluding to the flight of the church from the Roman army, maybe if you take that perspective, it could um, refer to the 70th week of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um the tribulation of Israel in that sense. Yes. Okay. So if we take the woman as a symbol of Israel, yep. then, uh, and the three and a half year period within the seventh year tribulation, yes. uh, we, we could well be talking about, and a lot of people, well, certainly some people at least, uh, would camp in that spot. Would yeah. camp in that spot. That yep. This is the 70th week of Daniel. There's a neatness uh, about that oh, as well. Incredibly um, so. Uh, so, yeah, so this, this you know, according to that view, refers to a protection uh, of a part of the nation, perhaps during the Great Tribulation before Christ's return, uh, or or uh, of the whole of Israel for a part of the time, however you want to put that. That's according to that, yeah. that view. Um, or, you know, it, it could allude to a period of time during which the church is protected from the dragon. Th- these are other, you know, again... Yeah. Because in a sense, the church is grafted into Israel, so this is God's people as a whole. I, I, I am attracted to views that that broaden it. Yes, um, that because this is speaking to a, to a, us as well. Yeah, to us as well. It's speaking to the early church that was made up of a lot of Jewish people. Yes. So think of very much a Jewish church at this stage, yeah. who are the see themselves as the faithful remnant. Yeah. Remember the early church saw themselves as the faithful remnant of Israel, right? Yeah. So it's quite likely that they're reading this as they're being sent out into the wilderness. This is a place of persecution. They're suffering this stuff. Oh, this is us. Okay. Uh, and, um, and God's going to take care of us. Yeah. Or 
projecting forward to this period of tribulation when this is going to happen in that very literal form. And and, and that thing that I always talk about prophecy, that Revelation, you know, fully fits into, that it has multiple fulfilments and it sort of bounces between time. Like time doesn't work normally in these prophecies because in one sense we're getting glimpses of stuff that has happened, you know, like the fall, like we even see in a moment the fall of Satan out of heaven you know, like, and we see, you know, angels, you know, and it's like, well, hang on, that happened at this part of this, you know, history, yeah. but he's seeing it again afresh now, yeah. or is he just relaying this? And, we, and we're seeing these things bounce around. And, you know, I, I don't think part of me, having grown up in the environment where it's on a chart with a date and a yeah, number yeah, yeah. and a map. And, and very know, literal, yeah. Very literal. There's part of me, again, that, that I too am attracted, though I lean that way, I too am attracted to to it being fulfilled in both ways. And it's deeper than what yeah, we just- I, I, I like that. Yeah, I yeah. think that's- Because th- there is a sense in which this is speaking to those people then. So there was a sense that they could have looked at this and said, oh, this is happening. Yes. And yet, and yet we can still take that idea and it can still refer to a, a future tribulation. Yeah. Yeah, and so I don't, again. So when we get into this next part here in chapter in verse in chapter twelve, verses seven, you know, yeah. to, to nine here, where the devil and again John just comes out and says it, you know, no, no mincing the words yeah. now. This is Satan. This is the devil. This yeah. is the one. There's a war in heaven. Uh, you know, Michael and the angels fight against you know Satan and his angels, and he's yeah. cast out of heaven. You know, uh, and yeah. the, you know, dragon is thrown down to earth. Well, does that happen in the book of Revelation? Like, is that in the future? Or is John seeing that as a moment that happened in the past? I don't yeah, know. Or, or, or is this, does this describe this whole period that yeah. we're living in? Yeah. And, and in some ways it could describe this, it could describe then and now this yes. whole period and culminantly in the future. Yeah. Because that's how biblical prophecy works. So yeah. we have, it says, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought the dragon and so forth. And it talks about, you know, and he was hurled down to the earth. And then we have this chorus. I mean, this is great. It's like this, this uh, in a sense, these hymns function like, you know, the choruses in a, in a Greek plays, in yes. ancient Greek yeah. plays, yeah. you know, that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that he's been hurled down and they triumph. And this is where actually we get, it says that they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because it says for the accuser, praise, praise the Lord for the accuser of our brothers, of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Mm. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you and so forth. So, uh, there's triumph here. And then, so we have this dragon hurled down. It says, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled down to earth, it says here, he pursued the woman. Okay, so this probably marks the beginning of the Great Tribulation, mm. okay, spoken of by Jesus in Matthew 24 uh, and so forth. Um, it's, or, or however you want to put that. Or, or if, if it's, if you, you could take this to refer to persecution of God's people generally, but culminating in a final persecution. Uh, It says, uh, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle uh, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. Um, Again, there's that wilderness again where she's escaping to. Yeah, that's right. So the idea of being, you know, lifted up on eagle's wings is a very common uh, Old Testament imagery, you know, referring to God, you know, lifting up his people and so forth, protecting his people. 
um, but she flies to a place prepared for her in the wilderness where it says she will be taken off, taken care of for a time, times, yep. and half a time. Yeah. Okay. That's the three and a half years again. Okay. And and then, and then again in my in my growing up in my in my uh, mm. understanding of the Book of Revelation and how I was taught. It, it was it, the Book of Revelation was seen as a very Jewish book, yep. you know, as in like we've got the letters to the churches. Yep, we got this sense that you know there's a calledness. John represents the church being called into heaven, and now the rest of the time is Daniel's seventieth week, where it's all about the church. Yep. It's all about uh, the Jewish people. Yep. And there's and there's don't get me wrong, I still hold sort of lean that way to a lot of it. There is so much here about God dealing with the Jewish yep. people. But then it's little bits like this at the end of chapter 12 where it says, you know, the dragon became angry at the woman, declared war against the rest of her children. And then then John gives a definition of the children. Yeah. All who keep God's commands and confess that they belong to Jesus. And I was like, well, that's us. Yeah, that's you right. Know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So there's that multiple level yeah. of, of – of, So I know. think, you know, yes, it, it because, uh, you know, I mean, people want to say, well, this refers to Israel, but when you get definitions like that, yeah, well, yes, it is, but it, it also refer it's it's all of God's people. I love you it. Know? I love it. And um, you keep mentioning the seventieth week of Daniel. I wonder if it's worth a quick. Uh, oh, uh, and you're going to be like, I'm. I'm talking like okay, a few let's, lines, let's, okay, a couple a few, of lines, a, a few lines, a few lines. I mean, the book of Daniel is the most amazing piece of prophecy in the Old Testament. Full stop. Right. Yeah. And in the middle of the book of Daniel, in chapter nine, yeah. it's the seventieth week of Daniel, where we where well, there's the sixty nine weeks, isn't there? Which, well, okay. So in the in the picture of that, Daniel is praying to God, lay bear, and the, the, we even hear the dip prayer of Daniel. And Daniel's prayer is about what will happen to my people, what will yeah. happen to the Jewish people, because yeah. he's in he's in Babylon. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's yeah. and it's this time he is praying, and and then we get this amazing scenes, and we see multiple different scenes. But you know, God is answering. You know, yeah. in, in yeah. the in the heavenlies, you know, yeah. with angels and you know all these different things answering his prayer and giving him an, an amazing prophecy, the most amazing prophecy I think in the Old Testament. Yeah. How is God going to deal with the Jews? Well, he's going to, he's going, there's going to be a Messiah. The Messiah will be cut off. And the period of dealing with the Jews is a period of 70 lots of seven. Yeah. You know, it's this, it's this, yeah. and we, there's lots of ways to interpret it. But if you take it into, into an actual period of, 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 you know, of, of years and how the years work, basically from the time that Christ is crucified, God, you know, the, the interpretation that most of the church would well, take. Well, you skipped something there. Okay. So, so he he basically prophesies that from the rebuilding of the temple yes. to the coming of the anointed one who will yep. be cut off yes. will be- 400 and- Yeah, yeah, 490 years when yeah. you put the sevens because it's yes. talking about groups of seven years, 69 yes. sevens or whatever. And, and he predicts the time pretty but, much to the right on. Well, uh, now we know in history, in the hindsight of history, we look back <clears> and go- Actually, that happened like nearly to the day. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, and then, but then you think, well, hang on, but that's the sixty-nine. What about the seventy? Yeah. So there's, Which there's get, brings yeah, me to where you were. And so there's a there's another there's another seven years left, basically. Yeah. So when is that? Is and, the question? Well, and yeah. then we see it perfectly laying laying out here yeah. in the in the seven years of the tribulation. Yeah. That is cut into three. Yeah. In, yeah. Into, and that, into and that's half. that view. And and look, there are some other ways of looking yes. at that. But I. The, the, the the idea is is that the church period is this pause, yeah, this gap, and of, then and then you pick up the prophetic calendar again and, and at the that, beginning and, of the tribulation, and, and that echoes with both prophecy in the Old Testament 
and what was happening in the New Testament, what the testimony of the New Testament is, and the testimony that we see now living in the year 2020 of history, yeah. is that God has basically said, and he said he was going to do this all through the Old Testament, there's going to be a time where I'll press pause on dealing with the Jewish people, and I will deal with the rest of the people, bring in all the fullness of salvation for the rest of the people, for the whole world. Yeah. And when that's done, well, then I go back to dealing with you Jews. Yeah. And that's, and that's a really yeah. simple, silly way yeah. to say and, it. And, I, and, and I, as I said, I think there's, there's something neat, you know, about that. I think mm. it answers a lot of questions. I, I, think, um, I think we need to hold that open-handedly. Yes. I, I would put it this way. Because, <laughs> that's a great way to put because, it. Because, you know, the, the Jews had a very fixed idea of what the Messiah was going to look like the first time and they got it wrong. Yes. Uh, we don't want to be guilty yeah, so of the same not, thing. I know. Let's let's open handedly hold yeah. our views, but I, I think that's um, yeah, that's one way of of looking at. That. So that's that's based on that very literal reading, with with very much a focus on on Israel. Uh, in in any case, all of those factors are there. God's not finished with Israel; is still yep. working yes. with them. You know, His covenant is an everlasting covenant. But but I I also think it's important to recognise that Revelation moves seemingly seamlessly between. Uh, uh, allusions to Israel and then the whole church. It yes. just seems to go from one to the other and the and lines it, are blurred. And, and in the end, even though for me growing up as a, and I'll say this with all love and respect and thankfulness of my childhood, <clears throat> I, I would say I grew up as a Pharisee, you know, you know type of thing. <laughs> I grew up, grew up being, taught by the, being, being taught by the best of the Pharisees and I love that. That's why I always lean towards the Pharisees, leaning towards even the Gospels. I was like, those poor Pharisees. Um, I grew up in that way and being very literal with everything. Now, the, the beauty of, of seeing the blendedness of it all here is that beauty that Paul calls us to and Peter calls us to and I think even Jesus calls us to that, you know, we are one people. And, yeah. and, and I think that's yeah, reflected that's right. in the yeah. book of Revelation. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, we've we, got, we better move into chapter 14. Just chapter one thir- thing about 13, 13. 13. The thing I love about the end of uh, chapter 12 is that it, it says, where it says here that from his mouth, this, the serpent spewed water like a river. You know, it's, you think this... Again, what the waters and the condemnation yes, and the, yeah, the chaos and all of that. But the earth helped the woman by opening up its mouth and swallowing the river. You know, is that like the grave open? Is that, yeah. you think of the rebellion of Korah and, and it's a yes. beautiful, uh, you know, and then, and then we have the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Uh, and the idea, you know, this is Genesis three fifteen, which you yes. know you will uh, you will strike his heel and he will crush your head. So that's yeah. already prophesied there. Which brings us, oh boy, to chapter thirteen. Now, chapter thirteen. This is where we see, I mm. think, what was alluded to before the beast, yeah. the origin of the beast. That's right. So Satan's attack against the woman and her offspring that we've just seen centres now on the beast who emerges from the sea, okay? So this is kind of the same, it's it's the same situation, but it's described one way in chapter 12 mm-hmm. and then a, a, another way in chapter 13. That's essentially, I think, what we've got here. Um, so uh, so the what happens is that the the beast takes on the image of the dragon himself. It's... It's kind of sequential in in in, an, in a sense too because it's adding detail because the beast um, is a coming at the behest of the dragon, and this is where it gets confusing. So you got the the dragon. This is where it gets actually, confusing because the dragon 
we will see, especially at the beginning of the introduction here, we go, hang on, the beast is the dragon and the dragon is so the beast. So we're getting more detail. Yeah. We, we, well, no. And then, the, but then all of a sudden, they have split. Like there into is def- two beasts, yeah. Into, so you've got this, okay, let me put it this way. You've got the unholy trinity. Thank you. That's what yeah. I was hoping you would get to. I think yeah. this is what is, this is mimicking here. Yes, okay. 100%. So, so we've talked in general terms about this battle in chapter 12. Now we've got more. Uh, more detail here. Okay, yeah. so then you've got you know, the dragon stood on the shore uh, of the sea, and mm-hmm. I saw a beast coming out of the sea. Now think about everything that the sea represents: okay, mm-hmm. chaos, death, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. underworld, sin. Yeah, all of this stuff. Okay, so it had ten horns with seven heads and ten uh, crowns on its horns, and each had a, a blasphemous name. Okay, so this is an allusion to Daniel chapter seven. This is the fulfilment of the, in a sense, the. You know the beasts that come out of the sea. Oh, Daniel saw Daniel. all of this as well. And, and yes. it's and and in Daniel, it's talking about these worldly powers, right? Yeah. So this is the culmination of all worldly powers, you, really. You know, in me, in rebellion uh, against God. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I, I just got to say this because I'm such a dork, and I know you'll get a kick out of this. <laughs> um, you know how I've been banging on about you know time travel with this type of yes. period here. If I was making a movie of this, right? Yeah. If I was making a movie of this, and here's little John standing on a hill. You know, yeah. type of thing. Seeing this all happen on a f- at a hill that's slightly further away, I I would get him to look, glance over his, over his shoulder, and there's Daniel. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so seeing the same thing from a different viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. you know, because that's a good picture. Because yeah. Daniel is looking at the same event, you know, type of thing, and you realize that man, God has been taking these prophets through different time scenarios, looking at the same thing in different ways, and and this is John getting the best view of it all yeah. and trying his best to explain it all. Yeah. And, and that's and that connection with Daniel is underscored in oh. verse two, where he says the beast I saw resembled a leopard, had the feet like of like a bear, yes. mouth like a lion. Okay, so this is again Daniel chapter seven, seeing, seeing the same thing here. Now this is where it gets interesting because first off, as we're coming out of dragon and we're looking at this, I immediately, without knowing anything, look at this and go, okay, this is another retelling of what the dragon looked like. But then we have a separation, and the dragon gave him his own power and throne and great authority. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on. This is the That's beast right. is separate to the dragon. Yeah, so they seem to be identified and then they're separate. Again, this is very much like God the Father, God the Son. Yes. And, and we're going to see a third. So we've got the unholy trinity here. Now, the, the, the mimicking is, is now ramps up when you get on one of the heads of the beast. Seemed to, he seemed to have a fatal wound. Yes. Um, now, literally... In, in, in the Greek, it reads something like, and one of its heads uh, had been killed to death yes. and the wound of its death was healed. So it's mimicking the lamb that had been slain. 100%. You know, so... And the world gets it. The world understands exactly what's going on. The people in the world who have rejected Christ and rejected yep. God and rejected all of these things, they understand what's going on and they they are called to worship Yeah. The, the, That's the right. beast. So it's literally the Antichrist in the sense that in that re- resembles this, you know, um, father-son relationship, the wound, you yep. know, that, that had been healed, uh, and then people worship the dragon because he'd been given authority, you know, because he had given authority to the beast, okay? Mm-hmm. So people worship uh, the dragon through the beast, as it were, and they worship, the, you know, who is like the beast, who can wage war against it? Okay. So you've got this... Uh, the beast is is mimicking Christ in this sense, so he's truly the antichrist. I love that line. I love that line of um, it's like it's like a great filmmaker 
putting in a line at the beginning of a scene, you know it's going to come back to play later on. You know, yeah. it's that loaded gun principle. The fact that the crowds are saying there's no one greater, who can fight him, who can stand up yeah. against him, and you're like, yeah. okay, okay, we're going to see, yeah. you know, that, that's setting up the yeah. setting up the answer. And it's interesting what, what happens from here because from verse 5 you, it says, oh. uh, the beast was given a mouth to other utter proud words and so forth. At verse 7, the beast was given power to wage war against God's holy people and conquer them. Uh, and then, and was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. So again, who is doing the giving here? Well, this is God controlling things. And, and because it's uh, connected with the 42 months, we hear the three and a half years again. So again, for a limited time, God is allowing the beast to exercise this level of power. Okay. Yep. So, and it's power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. Oof. So, this looks like defeat, but what looks like defeat in a worldly sense becomes victory in the, in an ultimate sense, exactly as it was with the crucifixion of Christ. Mm. It looked like the ultimate, that there was this sense in the crucifixion of Christ in which, uh, the, Satan was given authority to slay Christ, yes, and yet that authority to conquer Christ led to the very downfall of Satan there and the victory of Christ. Totally we have upside, the same totally upside thing down. happening yeah. here. Yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing happening here. Yeah. So, um, and then we we have all the ha- inhabitants of the earth worshiping the beast and so forth. Um. And there's an interesting little point here that yeah. brings us back to remembering that John was written to a people of his time yeah. in the 90s AD there. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where you get this in verse 9 of chapter 13, where he says, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. The people who are destined for prison will be arrested and taken away. Those who are destined for death will be killed. But do not be dismayed, for here is your opportunity to have endurance yeah. and faith. Cool. What what? What are you reading from there? Um, that? That's a New Living Translation. Oh, new yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's, like, that's like adding yeah. a few. Yeah. But uh, no, I think I think that's it's actually capturing good. the spirit. Yeah, it's I ca- think yeah. that's capturing actually what yeah. this means. Uh, so yeah, there's this sense of beware, be ready, be re- and because it says there, then this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness yeah. on the part of God's people. It's so, like yeah. hang in there, yes. because what's going to look like defeat. Yep. This is really important. What looks like defeat mm-hmm. is actually going to be victory. This mm-hmm. is a really important principle for us. Often, what looks like defeat is actually the beginning of a victory. Mm. Uh, I think that's a great principle. This brings us then to the beast, the second beast. Okay. Verse We're 11. In chapter 11. Now, this is where, I'll uh, be honest with you. Verse 11 of chapter 13. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Verse yep. 11 of chapter 13. For a lot of people, I think this is going to be pretty confusing. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> so let's, sometimes it's confusing for me. <laughs> so let's do our best here as we wrap it. We got, I mean, we're running out of time yep. with this episode. Let's wrap it up for this last yep. part of 13. So, yeah. So we've got, then I saw a second beast. Okay, this is the third person of the unholy trinity, as it were, coming out of the earth. Okay, so first came out of the sea, this comes out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb. Okay, it's mimicking. Again, this is mimicking uh, the lamb. Uh, it exercised all authority, it, all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven. Uh, to the earth in full view of God's people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform, 
deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honour of the beast. So this is like a religious figure. So the sense that you get, you've got the dragon who represents Satan, then you've got this political figure in the unholy trinity, or, or this, uh, but then you've got this almost religious figure as well. Yeah, here in in this, which is the second beast, and you know he really aligns with a lot of what is said about you know, uh, first of all in Deuteronomy thirteen it talks about false prophets foretelling by dreams and doing miracles and wonders and you know it foretells that Jesus also in Matthew twenty four says at that time if anyone says to you look here is the Messiah or there is do not believe it for false messiahs and false prophets will ap- appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect. Yeah. Okay. So this is this in a culminate sense yeah, happening. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Also talks about in Second Thessalonians two, uh, it says the coming of the lawless one or the antichrist will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. Okay. So it's got that same idea here. Mm. Okay. So <clears throat> um, the so th- they set up this image and then the image comes to life and all of these ways of deceiving people, okay? Uh, and it says in verse 16 that the beast also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, okay? A mark. This is the mark of the beast. Mm. Now, uh, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. We'll get onto that bit in a moment. Mm-hmm. So the mark of the beast. Okay, now this is first of all, this is a obviously a it's can- obviously the barcode on the back of my credit card, <laughs> and we're all you know being Thanks. being tricked yeah, into thank it. You. Yeah. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I'm joking. Sorry, everybody got to go well, say look, that. I mean, there's been all, haven't there been all sorts of uh, theories about about what this is? But I, I remember being. Let me just interject it here. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. I, I got to bring in. I got to bring in the stupidity. You got to bring all of the conspiracy. I, I, know, I know. I remember being a kid growing up in 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 the conservative church that I grew up in. That I love, and I love you know that I did. And there's no shame in any of that. But I remember this traveling preacher coming through, the traveling evangelist, and and you know I think it was on the back of watching Thief of the Night movies yeah, from yeah. the sixties and stuff and. You know, reading the book of Revelation for the first time as a kid, and I was freaking out. And this guy comes up and he's talking about buying and selling and the mark of the beast and all this technology and everything. And again, I'm talking, this is in the, this is going to be early 80s, right? And then he says, and the mark, and the number of the beast is 666. And he's got these different sixes on the screen. And he said, you know, this is, you know, we've got to be clever about this and we've got to look at it and different barcodes. And he's bringing all this other technology of the time. And he says, now have a look at what is the most common way of selling right now. The bank card. Now, we don't even know. People don't even know yeah. what a bank card is. And, you know, bank card was accept, being accepted everywhere. Bank card signs were going up everywhere. Yeah. And the B in the bank card, like the logo of the bank uh, card yeah. was three Bs on top of each other, lowercase Bs on top of each other, multicolored. And he was like, you bring the three sixes together. Okay. Like a lowercase yeah, yeah. B. And there's the B of the bank card. I remember, every, like, for the rest yep. of the, the next day. Yeah, I heard that, yep. I'm dr- we're driving out. My dad's putting petrol in the car. And on the, all, the, all the things, bank card accepted here. I'm freaking out yep. as a kid going, Dad, look, it's a bank card. And my, I, don't know, I remember my dad, who was not a real, he was a you know, sincere Christian, but a very common, simple understanding way. And he was just like, sometimes, yeah, son, you've got to uh, you take I, it I, as a great assault. Yeah, buddy. I'm, I'm attracted. Well, there's something about... Like the the you know forehand and the head and and I mean the 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 things that I've heard about you know 
moneyless society yes, and, and, and chipping and you know co- you know chipping putting something yeah. in your hand. I mean, it, this has been seriously proposed about having a chip in your hand. That Not you just, just seriously proposed; it's in trials in different yeah, countries. That's right. You know, they you know, sincerely. And then you know, because someone could cut off your hand, so you put it on your forehead as well, yeah, and, yeah. and so. I mean, this kind of stuff, so that, you know, I mean, that's interesting to think, oh man, like, is that what that's taught? But I mean, it doesn't mean that you then are, like, if that happened, yeah. let's say this is the new way of baking, banking, banking you get yep. the chips put in, yep. would you get it put in? Well, this is, a, this is a great, I love <laughs> Actually, this. Actually, maybe I shouldn't ask that. Well, I love that question because, because, and again, this is the thing that I, I mean, as from that fear as a little kid, yeah. Like reading through this, I then had to go back and start rereading and rereading and rereading it, and I realised this is not a trick. No, no, this is not a trick. It's not like <laughs> Satan and God. Well, this part, this part's it's these people are already worshiping the beast. That's it, and so it's it's somehow there's some level of using that yes to draw people into this. Yeah. You know? So wh- whatever this means now, okay, let's just get back to the actual text itself, (laughs) if if I may, to finish this off. Sorry. This is really the satanic counterpart of the sealing of the saints. Amen. That we've seen in in chapter 7, okay? And that's even brought up later on in the book. Yeah, that's right. Now, it's also, um, like, so in Deuteronomy, uh, you know, God told the Jews to place the Shema on their hands and foreheads, okay? So, this is the basis of... The, the the things that the they Jewish wrap, people tie the around their that yeah, you see them wrap tie around, around their wrist and then on their heads yes. as well. Okay, yes. so which is <clears throat> copies of the law. Yeah, you know, copies so it's, of the it's law. like the satanic counterpart of that. Yes, basically. Okay, so uh, th- that's the the role that this has in the text. So so whether I mean, and, and it's interesting. Whatever this is, whatever this may look like literally, it's in the text. It has that uh, that connection. Okay, yes. um, and the idea here is to force people. Because gee, you can't buy or sell, uh, is to force people into this worship of, of the of the beast. Okay, yep. so now verse eighteen. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is six six six. Cue the guitar solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The heavy Thank metal you. guitar right. solo right Thank there. You. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most metal part right. of the whole. You know the okay. whole thing. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, Basically, I mean, the most frequently named option for 666, and this, this works remarkably well because if you, if you transliterate it into Hebrew, okay, mm-hmm. um, and Hebrew letters were ascribed numbers, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, now, to cut a long story short, I could break this down, but I won't. Yep. Uh, so, uh, given the the way that Hebrew letters work out and if you put numbers to them, what is spelt out by 666 is Mm. Nero Caesar. Yeah. Now, Nero Caesar by this time was long gone. Yes. uh, If if we take this in the the decades, his decades before. Yep. Uh, But – he was the first one to persecute systematically. Yes. I should persecute. Yes. Uh, the first pagan ruler. Mm-hmm. Let me put because of course Saul. It was the persecutions yes. of the Sanhedrin and so forth. So but doing it in that governmental political that governmental fashion. Po- yeah, political fashion. Okay. So so this is most probably th- it's like this kind of thing. So in the spirit of because you know in Thessalonians it talks about the power of lawlessness. Yes being already at work in the world. And, yep. you know, Paul's 
uh, could be saying that during the time of Nero, in yep. fact. Yep. Uh, so, so this power's already at work in the world. So it's, it's this anti-Christian, anti-Christ power, because Nero set himself up to be, you know, as the emperor to be worshipped, the yep. emperor's lord, all of that, persecuted Christians. Yep. Okay, it's, it's that kind of thing come to full fruition. Yeah. 666. So, yeah. so Christians are living with the memory of, of Nero. The Nero Caesar. They're under a time of another, another persecution now. This yes. is this kind of thing. Yep. So in a sense, this is what saints, what you're experiencing Saints have already experienced this back in Nero's time, yep. and it's going to happen in a culminant sense up in the future. And I've always, and when I got to that understanding as a young man, I understood that what this is my interpret. This is my dumb layman's interpretation of this. Yep. This is this is John being able to say, "Listen, this is now gone to a level of, and this is what the number represents, and this is what I want you to understand and remember. We're talking full governmental, political oppression." anti-Christian type yeah. of way. It's in that spirit. That's what you've got to yeah. remember. It's in that type of mode. Yeah. That's why we're talking about buying and selling, the market, yeah. the, you know, all of this type of yeah. stuff. Let me, let me finish with this, with this thought. One of the, when Jesus talked about future events, the major message is get ready. Yeah. Be ready. Yeah. Be sober, alert, and awake. You know, like don't let your faith get down to a, a dull flicker. It mm. needs to be burning really strong. Yeah, oil it, in the lamps. Like it's the oil in the lamps, yeah. right? Stay strong. Don't get too connected with with uh, with the, the world system. Okay, just be in the world. Make sure you're not out of the world. Keep your faith burning because when this comes, you won't stand if your faith is. You're going to get swept up by it if you're yeah. not ready. Yeah, it's like again the, the you know the the lamps. Matthew chapter 25, that's the key thing here. There is nothing to be afraid of here because the main message through this to a people who were going through this at the time is what looks like defeat is actually victory. You are following the same continuum as Christ. You are suffering as Christ suffered and he called us to take up our cross and follow him, but it will lead to victory. God has you, God wins in the end, and we will be victorious in the end. Victory in the end, that is, uh, I think that if you had to sum up or give the byline there of the book of Revelation, that is it. It's victory in the end. What we really want you to think about and remember and, and ponder that as you read through these passages, as you go through the book of uh, Revelation, as you join us in the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, it's that victory in the end we'd love you to think about. We love going through this and we love you contacting us. Remember that we're going to be doing a live Thrive Deeper episode 100. We'd love your questions about the book of Revelation, especially from chapters you know, 18, 19, 20, around that type of area there. Please send those questions in. You can do that all over at thrivetoday.tv. You can get copies of the book. You can get copies of the uh, digital copies as well of Thrive, the daily reading guide, but you can do that all over at thrivetoday.tv. We'll see you in a fortnight. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. 
Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.